0: Ghosts of Christmas Presents, a seasonal story. Written by Tobias Sturt and read by John Millington.
1: Chapter 24 It is Christmas night. Of course, Christmas is really about Christmas Eve. That's the true high-hallowed moment... The wonder about to happen, the glory in waiting, the splendour pending. Christmas night is when it's all done for another year. The food eaten, the presents unwrapped, the jokes told, the griefs argued, the sadnesses shared, and the loves loved. Put away the food scraps for bubble and squeak in the morning, wipe down the kitchen tops, throw the last of the paper on the embers of the fire. All done. The adventure is over. We have made it through the trials, achieved the mystery, and now we are returned. But not quite. Something has changed. We are not who we were before. We have new things given as presents, new habits appropriate to the season, perhaps a few new pounds of weight. But it is not quite yet the time to put that change into action. In a week, on New Year's Eve, we will stare ahead down the long gallery of the months and make our promises of how we shall spend them. But we can worry about our rash resolutions at five to midnight. We don't have to learn anything from our experiences, not yet. For the moment, we can just close the door against the dark and weather and events and sit That's what they're doing in the little china cottage on the mantelpiece, for instance. Bob's has his shiny china shoes up on the shiny china grate, which would be much too close to the fire if he wasn't made of china. And Mum is pouring tea for their guest, for there is a third chair drawn up in the flickering light of the fire, and in it sits a colour illustration of a young woman with spectacles. Now really, you mustn't think anything of it, Bob's is saying. It is Christmas, the season of goodwill, and exactly the sort of time you ought to be taking in guests. In fact, you might say that you are doing us a favour, allowing us to show suitable charity, as it were. Be properly seasonal, you see. It does you good to do good, I always say. No, you don't, says the little china lady. Now, now, Mum, says Bob's, his cheerfulness not a little bit dented. We take in guests, don't we? Why, do you know who was sat in this very chair not a day ago? Mr. Benedict Nail himself, our landlord, as you might say. The owner, not just of this cottage, but the whole mantelpiece. Oh, I know Mr. Nail, says the young woman in spectacles. He is why I am here after all. Well, he's why we're all here, isn't he? says Bobs gleefully. We wouldn't have anything to hold if it weren't for him, would we? I meant in the specific as well as the more general sense, says the young woman, since Mr Nail saw fit to relocate Mr Cardiman from the scriptorium, there has been much reorganization. Not all of it, I must admit, to my liking. The young woman was a serious sort of person even in life and the sliver of personality that has survived into death has done so without what one humour it might once have had. She is trying not to put too much of a dampener on the seasonal spirit in the china cottage and she is failing. Fortunately, Bob's has plenty of it to go round. Turfed out at Christmas, says Bob's. The pity of it. Well, there's no room here says Mum, who has evidently let Bob's have the lion's share of good cheer this Christmas. Missionary work, says the young woman mournfully. It has been decided that all the memories that Mr. Cardiman was so assiduously storing in the scriptorium should be redistributed to the benefit of all the ghosts in the living room. Stories? says Mum, perking up. Got stories to tell, have you? At least I wasn't sent to the writing desk, says the young woman with a shiver, the dark escritoire. Feel free to start, says Mum. But the young lady does not have to, because here comes another voice. It seems distant, but quite clear, for it comes from far away, over the border, into the world of the living. But it is quite close. For Benedict Nail has drawn up a chair to the fireplace and is leaning forward, his chin resting on the mantelpiece, talking. He is telling the story of the Little China Cottage and the woman who gave it to him, of how he was almost happy but successfully avoided it, and how he isn't quite sure that that was the success he thought it was. He isn't telling it well. He hasn't had much practice with stories, to be fair, and has much to learn. But he has grasped the main point, however, that they are for telling, for sharing. Like the ghosts, all Benedict Nail is, is his memories, the story of him and how he tells it. Our life is a story that we tell ourselves. That is how memory works, after all. We are not video recorders, blankly setting down every flickering pixel. We remember only that which has meaning for us. And in recalling, we recreate, reimagine the past. We tell ourselves the story of us. And what is a story without an audience? And what, come to think of it, is the audience without the story? This, at least, Benedict Nail knows, that the ghosts that haunt his living room need to hear stories to persist. And he is discovering that he needs to tell them to live and to live to tell them. Of course, he will need practice. We can't expect him to go prancing about in his nightclothes and slinging guineas out of the window at passing urchins straight away. The spirits can work miracles in one night, but the flesh takes a little more exercise. He's going to need practice telling, and he's going to need practice living. But here we are on Christmas night, in that suspended turn of the year, where nothing happens and everything rests. His adventure is over, and he has a moment to sit with it. He can practice a little before he has to go making any big resolutions. He can start small. A small story whispered through the windows of a tiny china cottage. Small words scattered about like little presents. A thank you to the bus driver. A smile and a wave to the shopkeeper. It's not much, but it is also everything. A mutual recognition. I, a human, see you, a human. Good morning. Not bad, thanks. Chilly, isn't it? All the meaningless little scraps of chit-chat that Benedict Nail used to hate so much. But now he realises that he used to hate them not because they were meaningless, but because they meant everything. They meant that he was not the imperious, self-contained, undisturbed being he liked to think he was. They meant he was not alone. They meant that other people saw him. They meant that everyone was trying to rub along, muddle through, keep the world working. Meaningless phrases like, happy Christmas. Benedict Nail used to hate that, but he suspects he rather likes it now. He might try it out on someone. Maybe they'll like it too. I mean, you do, don't you? Happy Christmas.
0: You have been listening to The Ghosts of Christmas Presents, written by Tobias Sturt and read by John Mellington. The music is The Path of the Goblin King by Kevin MacLeod of filmmusic.io and our illustrations are by Jamie Lenman. You can find more of our stories at ChristmasStories.co.uk or wherever you found this podcast and we'd be grateful if you could rate and review us while you're there as well. If you're feeling really generous, we now have a Patreon at patreon.com slash christmasstories where a subscription will get you versions of this story without all these annoying credits and lots of other exclusive material. But all we really want you to do is to have a very happy Christmas indeed.